Jesus. Whew. Like my mom. Like the, you. The eyes. From that camera. <laughs> <laughs> but you walk. <laughs> it's your calm, nurturing nature. Yeah. <laughs> you ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Hey, Mr. Uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I do. got me i wouldn't have guessed it either yeah that was a uh, song suggestion sent in by a loyal listener oh nice yeah john sent that one in so i thought what the hell we'll play it it was jim ford jim ford never heard of him me neither i'm gonna make i liked it a lot though yeah it's good huh yeah it's good what does it remind you of uh it reminded me a little bit of uh, you know what? it's funny you said that because something popped in my head and i think it's gone now already um Give me a sec here. So that was from... It's uh, definitely some old vinyl that my stepdad used to play in the house. I definitely know that. Yeah. It kind of has like a uh, the band vibe yeah. to it. Like that southern kind of yeah. country rock blues right. flavor. Yeah. Um, I almost... When I was first listening to it, I almost thought Steve Miller band. The, mm-hmm. the Most of... The, People, I guess, think most of the time when you think of Steve Miller, man, you think of the, the Joker, the Joker or something. Or something. Right. Yeah, but they had this kind of like horn kind of funk, yeah, like vein that went through. And some of their albums were a little bit heavier yeah. that than others, but um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'd ever put this song on and listen to it. Yeah. Um, and but it was good. I liked it, so I thought, yeah, hell yeah, John, we'll play it. It's a nice little uh, jammy kind of groove, summertime groove in there. Exactly. Yeah, I dig it. You know, it's, we were talking about last time that when do you really ever want to hear a saxophone in a song? And then we're talking about Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street. And then we also were talking about, I was like, man, it work kind of pulls it off. And I was like, do you notice there's a flute in that song in the, the beginning of Baker Street? I was like, Eesh, I didn't even know. I mean, they're obviously pulling it off if it doesn't stand out to you as being bad. Right. And, but I was like, dude, for the most part, like, really, when do you want to hear the flute? I was in the grocery store yesterday. And Men at Work's Land from Down Under was on there. Oh, really? Flute. Oh, no shit. A flute plays. They made melody uh, after the chorus. Uh, well, I was, I was, yeah, like you said, if it doesn't stand out, then yeah. 
but why is it that it's, it's like such a seasoning? A, yeah, right. But you don't want too much of it, right? Be, like a seasoning. Um, like, but there are instruments that <laughs> like, like yakety sax, <laughs> an example. Then right. you really can't get enough. <laughs> It's like old bay. It's like my crab. kid just eating spoonfuls of sugar. <laughs> I know. Or salt. Dude, my kid is addicted to salt. He just will go right up to the dish, grab a handful of it, and throw it in his mouth. Better that than sugar. And no shit. I've been, I've been listening to, I did a deep dive on some nutrition stuff because it's just been on my mind lately and just how our food supply is being poisoned. But um, ended up coming home and subjecting my patient wife to one of my TED Talks just about sugar and how it's not real sugar anymore. They just changed the chemical structure of it, and it's now some monodextrosium or whatever, and it's just mm -hmm. like evil, just pure poison. And we eat pretty healthy here. My wife eats really healthy, and then she buys these like organic snacks and stuff. And we're, you know, I was pulling random boxes of food out of there. And I was like, okay, let's go down the ingredients. It was even like your organic, like healthy protein bar or whatever. It just has three or four different kinds of sugars and just weird-ass chemicals in there. I know. Yep. Poison. That song came out in 1969, by the way. Huh. I think, uh, yeah, I guess I probably would have guessed something like that. I thought it was new. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I mean, it has an old sound. Yeah. But I thought, I just assumed it was new. The whole retro thing. You know, the thing about the music that we play, and I was, I've been thinking about this a lot, too. Like, what would you say the reason that we pick and I, I say we, even though I pick all the music. Yeah. Uh, I channel your, you know, you uh -huh. to a degree, you know, through my music selection. Hence all the death metal you play. <laughs> to a degree, I said. Yeah. <laughs> um, because there's a, I guess we both probably agree on the purpose of the music. And playing death metal would probably not suit the, I mean, it could. I'm not saying it's off limits. Right. Um, but if if every episode that was what we did, it would be, it wouldn't it wouldn't fit the mold of what we're trying to it, do. It would also it would just be boring, right? Yeah. So what is the the overarching kind of theme of the music that we play? Uh, I'd say at least twenty percent irony. Okay. So, yes. but even then, when we talk about and so some of the songs that would fit into the irony category would obviously be the spin doctors, the spin doctors, spins. uh. <laughs> Tom Cochran, to a degree. Which started out as ironic. Well, until Baker we, Street until also. we did a deep dive. These really, really popular poppy songs that you most people wouldn't give a second thought to. Yeah. Be, simply because they're pop music. Well, irony is kind of a funny thing, though. Um, <laughs> to be called ironic. Is some of, some of, it's a weird kind of gray area. Because sometimes we talk about stuff and people think we're being ironic. So yeah. for, I think, a perfect example, like, we're both huge Boston fans. Right. And that's, like, one thing we first started bonding over is listening to Boston to go surfing. Yeah. And then we bought our boss at that time all the Boston CDs for his birthday. His 30th birthday. Yeah. And he was just like, I don't, I'm never, he, I don't think he even said thank you. No, he was pissed. <laughs> he was, like, confused. And our client at the time's like, yeah, we gave him all the Boston CDs, and, like, he wasn't happy, he, like, didn't appreciate it at all. Yeah. And our client was like, and he was, like, kind of hip. I think he was really into, like, camper band De Beethoven. Which client was this? Uh, he was a restaurant owner, a really okay. nice guy that yeah. lived in our neighborhood. Uh -huh. And um, he goes, oh, is that some kind of, like, ironic gift? And we both just look at him going, like, no. 
Just, he had just assumed it was. He kind of yeah, chuckled. I was like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, was Boston. Like, so sometimes, or like, Enya is in kind of a weird territory. Exactly. Because it started out ironic, but I came to love that song because it was the one of two tapes that I owned at that time. And then it turns out we play it with our video intro, which no one can see right now. But I was like, that song is perfect for that because it's just the, the, the contrast of such a beautiful song to what we're, you know, with footage of 9-11 and 11 and Leatherface, like really just, it, it messes with your mind in like a really beautiful way, I thought. And then the other, I would say that's like 50% of the music. And then the other 50% is just, and these are, uh, what do they call them, the three circles overlap? Oh, the Venn diagram, Kamala Harris. <laughs> Uh, this is, you know, it's a, it's a Venn diagram of there's irony and just feel good music. Yeah. Music that I love. It's and, like you're trying to, and it's kind of a boomer like approach to it in, yeah. in that sense. Cause it's not something I would ever tell like, Hey kids, you know, like check this out. Right. It's just like, no, I don't fuck off. I'm going to go into my woodshed right. and tinker on the lawnmower while I listen to this music that makes me feel good. You know, like. <laughs> That is the that's the blend that I think we, yeah. we try to achieve. Well, it's funny to talk about death metal because it's just stuff that kind of this. I don't know. This is kind of redundant at this point, but like yesterday, I built a fire. I was barbecuing, built a fire, and it's like beautiful day. Like the weather just turned beautiful here right now. Yeah, and as getting relaxed, I've had like a pretty hectic week, and like I don't, I don't want to blast death metal right now. You know, I'm gonna put on some like kind of lazy country or something like that. Mm-hmm. So just something that kind of fits the mood, like good grilling music. Yeah. You're grilling music. I got the music I listen to when I run, oh. which is m- mostly death metal and, you know, stuff for the podcast. We also, I think, is a part of the equation is just something unique off the beaten path a little bit. Maybe not like that was a pretty poppy song, but you and I, neither one of us had ever heard of that guy. Yeah. So it's just, it's a cool, it's an interesting exercise to kind of find just stuff that we didn't know existed before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, we, in that, Within that three-circled Venn diagram, mm-hmm. um, we brought up summertime jams yes. recently, right? Yes. I realized something the other day driving around. Okay. Country music is 80% summertime jams. Absolutely, yes. Pop country? Yeah. Yeah, dude, for sure. Even, I mean, unless they're talking about, like, your wife leaving you or something. But even then, it's like, like, it's, Neon Moon is talking about just pure misery. Yeah. And it's just a kind of a feel-good right. song. So, I don't know. It, it, it might be greater than 80% summertime jams. Decent point. Decent point. Yeah. So um, I had an interesting discussion with a friend the other day. Is he... Was this on um, the topic of California... Uh, what's it called when you pay the... Oh, the reparations? reparations. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that one had, was ongoing with our family dinner night. Uh, two nights in a row, actually. Um they, he randomly asked me, well, it's Polly, frequent guest on okay. the podcast. And he goes, what's, what's clown world? What is that? Like, where did that come from? I was like, well, I'm all, you know what it is. You know what the reference is. I'm guessing he goes, yeah, pretty much. But he it's goes, that place off of uh, highway 30 East with <laughs> right, the roller coasters. Yeah, yeah. Right. We have a kid's birthday party there. Yeah. There. yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you're allowed to go there. We'd have to look at the laws, but <laughs> the, um, just kidding, Polly. And, uh, I'm all, well, you know what Clown World is. It's just absurdity. It's when things become so strikingly, like, just not based in, like, rational thinking that you just start making fun of it. He goes, where'd it come from? I'm like, I don't know. 
they maybe it might be like a at this point it's ever present in the vernacular so yeah. i could yeah maybe like a 4chan thing or i have no idea but now we hear it just thrown around all the time because we were talking about something he had asked me and paulie's by and large checked out like he doesn't look at any news anything like he gets all of his news through me so god bless his soul but he had asked me, what? Just imagining some guy in his, this dark bedroom with the windows drawn right now listening, going, I created that. <laughs> I'm the first one to say Clown World. God damn it. I'd never get any credit for that. <laughs> damn you, Salazar. <laughs> so he had asked me, he goes, what's, who's this Dylan Mulvaney guy? I'm like, <laughs> uh, well... I was like, do you not know? First of all, bigot. He's <laughs> not a guy. <laughs> so I got to go like, well, how many steps are we going back? I'm like, do you, do you not know anything? Are you, have you seen a picture, for example? Like, I don't, like, what's the context for which you are asking me this? He goes, I, well, is, does this have something to do with, like, Bud Light? I was like, oh, okay. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney is a trans individual and he went to the White House, had an interview with Joe Biden and something, I don't know, maybe he was given a job or something. I'm not sure. And then Bud Light put him on a can and everyone flipped out because if you think about the demographic of your typical Bud Light drinker, it didn't go over very well. And uh, then there was a boycott on Bud Light. He's like, yeah, I heard about the boycott. And um and then, I don't know, I, I was like, I got to be honest, I, I don't pay attention to this shit. <laughs> it's like, who cares? You know, like, and why are you, call, why, call Kelly. why are you drinking Bud Light anyway? <laughs> and so it became, so now I'm up in my head about Clown World. And I started thinking about like, what well, what is Clown World exactly? And like, so like, well, one litmus test is if you think of something that can be an idea being discussed today in sober and serious tones, and then you took that idea back to someone in, I don't know, 10 years ago, and they were just completely dismayed. I, I, what are you talking about? This is the most insane. I was like, well, this is totally like a common thing now. Is Well, there's a marker for Clown World. I also thought about that another marker is making a crazy absurd joke, like making fun of something, and then the punchline of that joke coming true which happened to me twice this week it's in one of these i was it has been so hard not to talk to you about this the last couple of days. <laughs> yes so i was listening to npr this is an activity i've come to call woke surfing because i just want to <laughs> see what's going on over there and uh they were prattling along their wall-to-wall coverage with uh trump being um on trial for something i don't know so it seems like it happens every week, but it's like wall-to-wall coverage of this Trump trial. I don't care. I would really rather not hear about it. Um, and when they were talking about, oh, dude, I had another realization, is they were, remember all the celebrities that claimed they were going to move to Canada after Trump got elected in yeah. 2016? Yeah. Um, I, was, I was thinking about that, and this was an odd sequence of events because this occurred to me, is that, they were talking about um, NPR, that is, and they were talking about that him being on trial with his poll numbers keep going up and up and up, and they were trying to wrap their heads around that. Like, how, how he keeps getting in trouble, and it seems to just galvanize his base, and now they're talking about in, like, pretty, like, semi-panic tones. Like, he's, 
there's a good chance he could get the nomination and even get elected because his base, his numbers keep going up. And if you look at Biden's numbers, I think are in the low 30s or something. <laughs> I did not wish to be a political correspondent today. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. I have plenty to say on this too, and I wasn't planning on going there either. <laughs> so they're trying to just, you know, in true NPR style, like, how could this happen? How could this happen? Like, who are these people? Yeah, you know, just, who are these people that, you know, support this guy? And he's on trial for this and he's on trial for that. And he keeps getting in trouble and his poll numbers keep going up. And it just had this feeling wash over me because the way that they were talking about it, I had like this deja vu. I was like, oh boy, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Like, here we go again. And I thought, I was thinking of all those celebrities that go like, if Trump gets elected, I'm moving to Canada. We should check in with those celebrities that said that, by the way, and that see how many, how many of them came through on their promise. A, an ongoing ticker. Yeah. Um, I thought this is one of those odd occurrences where the people I, who I have ideologically nothing in common with, I kind of agree with him. And I remember saying to my boy, I'm like, dude, if Trump gets elected or even gets the nomination, to be honest with you, and myself pretty much apolitical, not on the right, not on the left, but I happen to live in a complete like ideological monolith here in the Bay Area-ish area, is I don't think if if he gets the nomination or elected, I might have to move. I was like, I don't think my soul can take another, what I went through for four years of just the unhinged daily temper tantrum everywhere you go, everyone you talk to, and you're just trying to be polite to people the same I'd really rather not hear about this. And they're like, okay, okay. But you got to admit, and they just keep going. And it's like, you're sitting there like trying, I can remember so many times, I'd be just sitting there like eating lunch and just some random person next to you, like the audacity, the, the hubris of this administration. <laughs> and they're just like slapping the table. And you're like, dude, I'm just trying to have lunch with my wife. Oh, like, do, I need, do I need to listen to this? I can't fucking wait for that. <laughs> oh my God, I want that so bad. It's going to be so good for the podcast. It's yeah. Either that or Kamala Harris. Either one. Either <laughs> one. I'll amazing. take either. That's why we got to do. We, oh, RFK shit. is not a good thing for us. Trump Harris twenty twenty four. That would be amazing. Wow, <laughs> just endless comedy fodder. They just completely subvert the whole system. Go across the aisle. Ugh. it would be hard to not. Would the left turn on Kamala Harris? They would. I, they already have. Any, they already they, have pretty much. Yeah, but any anyone that gets close to Trump is oh, yeah. is immediately toxic. Yeah, I remember getting after he got elected, and I was in a family situation where I just didn't pay attention to any of it. I just had to concentrate on other things, and um, I just getting text after text after text, and me, I had copy and pasted a text and just responded like can you please not talk to me about this? Can you please not talk to me about this? Like, can you, I'm not interested. I do not care. So were you watching CNN the other night? Um, when, uh, they had the Republican (laughs) town hall that, uh, Trump. No, no, I have, I have heard about it. (laughs) It was, I happened to just turn it on. One night I missed CNN. I know. I know. Uh, it's funny because now that, Tucker is not on Fox anymore. I, I saw a great meme. It's like, you've been in a coma for a week, sir. He's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I'd like to grab some Bud Light and watch Tucker tonight. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so it's kind of like my, my TV. It, it's just like this empty box now sitting on the wall. Like uh-huh. if, if there's no sports on, it's just like, why is this thing in here? Because uh-huh. there's, and now that Tucker's going on Twitter, 
or allegedly. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that's actually going to happen. But um, that's his plan is to take his show to Twitter. It kind of bums me out because I can't get Twitter on my television. I like the ritual of sitting down and having the TV on uh-huh. in the room. I can go do other things. It's not I'm not walking around because you know I can start prepping for dinner or whatever. Or right. and I, I don't want to do that with just my phone sitting Wait, is, on the. Is Twitter a TV channel now? No. Oh, but if you, I mean if you have a smart TV, presumably you could have Twitter on. Uh, they have a TV. they have a, a video platform. No. How's he gonna? How's a show gonna be on Twitter? Well, I mean, you've watched videos on Twitter before, right? Oh, okay. Like uh, the trailer for Died Suddenly, for example, he's, was the only place you could see it was on Twitter. Okay, so he's gonna have an exclusive deal with tw- Twitter that he puts his content on there. That's my understanding. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is not as good as TV. Obviously, I'm not on Twitter because <laughs> or TV or TV <laughs> because like your your parents aren't going to go on Twitter to watch Tucker Carlson, mm-hmm. but they know how to work their TV. Finally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Insert pregnant pause there. <laughs> and so anyways, I don't, yeah, I, I wish he was going to be on TV and I think maybe he will be eventually because apparently he has a do not compete clause mm-hmm. where he's not allowed to go on TV right. for a while. So he's like, okay, I'm giving it away for free on, on Twitter mm. and it'll give time for his team to kind of ramp up like without the support of the Fox kind of infrastructure. Yeah, gotcha. Um, Anyways, uh, I so I turned on the TV just to see if there's anything worth watching, and lo and behold, CNN is hosting a town hall meeting, Republican town hall meeting, mm-hmm. with Donald Trump on the stage. I had to no one else. I, I bounce around different um, radio stations, I guess you could say NPR, AM radio. There's a couple of like daily news kind of podcasts that I'll check out every once in a while, but. <clears throat> When everyone is talking about the same thing, you know, no matter what their perspective is, I develop such a quick fatigue. I just go like, I just, I'm going to check something else out. Yeah. And I actually went and checked out Joe Rogan's podcast, which I'd never, ever listened to. I put on just, I just like anything. Unless like Dave this. Smith's on? Unless Dave Smith's on. Yeah. yeah. I'll check it out depending on who the guest is, but. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Me too. That's funny because I, 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 want, I want to talk about that like later. So, um, anyways, uh, I wouldn't, I would not have really gone out of my way to to check in on this. It's the kind of thing that you know whatever happens is going to get disseminated through all the different yeah. outlets, and you're eventually going to kind of more or less understand what happened. Yeah. But I happened to see it, like, sitting there live, and I thought, oh, I got to see this. <laughs> I mean, if it was any other politician, there's zero chance. Was, was your wife just like, why is this on in the house? I don't let her talk to me that way. So, okay. No. Yeah, she's, um, she was silent until I gave her permission uh-huh. to speak on it. Um, I turn it on and it's right at the moment where they're talking about Ukraine mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I don't actually have a, a clip of it right here, but, um, I'm sure we'll edit it in afterwards. Um, and Trump is going, the, the, the moderator who basically was debating him mm-hmm. on stage, right? Right. It was, there were people asking questions in the audience is as you would expect, right. In a town hall, yeah. Republican town hall. The audience would be filled with, did, I'm guessing, Republicans. Did, did Trump have the sheet with um, the name, the question, and a picture of the person who was going to ask that question so he made sure he called the right person like Biden had? He, if he did, it was written on his hand, so we didn't okay. actually get to see it. Uh, although he does so much with his hands. He does that accordion thing, like the air right. accordion. Yeah. I think we would have seen it. Yeah. 
Um, and so he's doing the air accordion thing, and this this woman, uh, Caitlin Connors, I think, or Collins, uh-huh. um, was supposed to be moderating this debate, but or not debate, but this town hall between Trump or let's say the Republican candidate, right, and the Republican voters, yeah, in the audience. But instead, she's fully just like debating him <laughs> and calling him out. It was so weird, and so she gets him in this. Uh, this question, uh, I think someone from the audience asked him about Ukraine. Yeah. And he said, if I was in power, the war would be over in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And and everyone in the audience is like, woo! You know, because that's, really? what, that's what America wants. Yeah. They don't want this war to continue. They end it. Apparently, uh, my neighborhood did not get that message. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess there was the majority of America. A lot of Ukraine that. flags up here. Everybody in this audience wanted that. Yeah. So the moderator wouldn't let it go. And she's like, Mr. Trump, you have to say, do you, do you want Ukraine to win this war or Russia? And he's like, I don't That's look at stupid it. Stupid question. Yeah, he's like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not in this to have someone win. I want people to stop dying, okay? Dying. I want them to stop dying. And she's like, well, you can't say right now that you want Ukraine to win the war. He's like, I don't care who about winning the war. I want people to stop fucking dying. No one wins okay? wars. Yeah, exactly. And she just wouldn't let it go. And the audience is going nuts. Like, yeah! You know? Wow. It was so great because there's nothing this woman could do. She looked so bad. She just kept, like, like nagging him. Like, just, like, the worst. Ugh, it was the worst look. She looked so <laughs> bad. And he was just deflecting everything and just mopping the floor with her. And the crowd was loving it. And then immediately, as soon as it was over, they go to the commentary. Yeah. And it's like, everyone's just like, oh, can you believe that? This was just the most disgraceful thing ever. Just the lies and the, the you're on, cheating and the you're misogyny. On CN- and you're on like, CNN and you just figured that out? <laughs> I got to play this one thing for you here. And uh... Okay, so here is after the town hall they got the audience response and so cnn is uh do you know who that guy is no he's familiar to me i don't know i can't remember his name but he's interviewing looks like a rothschild (laughs) (laughs) i believe he's part of the bilderberg group Uh Uh, easy dad easy (laughs) easy no one's worried about the bilderberg group anymore and that damn colonel (laughs) uh so the Journalist, air quotes, is about to interview these eight uh, people that were in the audience from the town hall, all of them past Trump voters. And the level of condescension that he just lays on them is utterly just astonishing. You guys probably won't pick it up if you're just listening because we're not going to play the whole thing. But here's him. First question Interviewing or asking one of the guys about uh, what he thought Donald Trump's response to the the 2020 uh, election fraud question was. I ask you first of all: Is do you think, show of hands, anybody think Donald Trump looks better after this town hall? Any of you think he looks worse? Any of you think the same thing about him as you did when you walked in? All hands. So all of you feel that way. First thing <laughs> I want to ask you about: Donald Trump. We have to be blunt about it. Is not a truth teller. That's the way he's always been when he was a businessman, when he's been a politician. He has lied about the 2020. 
Just uh, telling you guys, just so you know, he's not a truth teller, okay? Don't believe your lying eyes and ears, okay? This is how it is, folks. Election, stuffed ballot boxes, it's all made up. He's lost dozens of court cases. Does it bother you that he keeps talking about 2020 and not 2024? I'll ask you first. This is Jonathan Leslie. He's 40, Republican, voted for Trump twice. How do you feel about those People lies? don't look happy. So I feel like part of it's also the media narrative as you guys asked him the first question at the town hall about the 2020 election rather than current stuff. So don't you think he could say it's time for me to start talking about 2024 and not lies that aren't true? Couldn't the media ask him a question <laughs> about 2024? Well, there were. <laughs> Isn't it uh, a shame that he keeps talking about 2020? Well, that was the first thing you guys asked him about was 2020. Yeah, but he could have talked about 2024. Well, that would be an incongruent answer. Because you think he's having a stroke. Because yeah, but you guys didn't ask him about 2024. <laughs> the whole, this whole thing, you got to check this out. The whole thing is just that over and over again. I thought, I just hate that Trump keeps like. I want to hate him. I want to let him go. Mm. And he keeps dragging me back in with these awesome media performances. He's just like, I don't know. He's just so fucking fun. Yeah. He's such a fun guy. It's like that guy that you, if it's nine o'clock and your phone like lights up and it's his number and you're like, no, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna be able to say no to him. You know, you're going to end up just completely hung over, maybe in jail the next day but you have to answer the phone. I had someone after the 2016 election was going on and on about Trump. And I said, like, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm just not interested. And, I, and I, I would rather not hear about this. And so immediately, like, oh, what? Like, what are you, Trump's? I'm like, no, I just I have no thoughts on the guy. I don't care. I don't, I, I don't care who's president for the most part. I have to be honest <laughs> with you. I want to not be at war with other countries. And after that, like, However we can make that happen, I'll deal with the rest. And I got, like, almost screamed at, but, like, this person just lost their shit on me. I was like, I I just said I don't care. Like, I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. And it's just, that was enough. The, that, the, the derangement syndrome was at such a level that well, it just uncorked the bottle. The president has so much power to ruin everyone's lives now, and that person probably sensed that. that yeah. It kind of does matter. Sadly, it does matter who's president. I mean, there's no single person in America that has more power to. Ruin I would tell life. people, I was like, you know, if the federal government wasn't such a pervasive and gigantic role in everyone's life, if it didn't have their fingers in everyone's life, right. we wouldn't have to be at war with each other. You know, you know, demonizing each half the country just at war with each other. Like it wouldn't really matter. Exactly, That's how it used to be. It's like I. Don't like the president that much, but I'm not not something we're gonna worry about. So so remember I was explaining the two symptoms of clown world. Yes. And there are other ones, but I gotta bring this to you. Is it's when the punchline becomes reality. And then this happened twice to me. Yeah. So oh, yes, tell me. So I'm woke surfing. I'm listening to NPR. <laughs> and they're talking about a place in uh, Scotland called Trinity University. And they were changing the name of their library because the library was named after a guy that was problematic. My quotes mm -hmm. there. When you see that word, you're like, ah, oh, this is this is going to be good. So I'm kind of <laughs> half listening to it because this guy that they named the library after uh, turned out was in uh, the slave business, right? 
And I'm still listening. I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah. Did, did he I've sell uh, shackles or was he? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay. I just, I, I was like, okay. I just feel like I've heard this story like over and over. What's and your, then, uh, what's your job? I'm in the the slave industry. <laughs> so you're a slave owner? No, 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 no. God, no. I'm not a racist. No. <laughs> Deal mostly in chains and shackles. <laughs> Free market guy. And uh, so I'm kind of like half listening. And then they go, oh, the name of this guy was a, a man named George Berkeley. I went, what was that? Because here we are in the Bay Area. The, mm-hmm. the quintessential like hub of wokeness is yeah. Berkeley. I'm like, that's going to be a fun thing to break out next time I'm, like, I'm on the receiving end from some SJW, you know, about tearing down statues and changing names and things. I'm like, yeah. Well, where, where does it really end? I'm like, did you know Berkeley was named after George Berkeley? And you could pull that out. And like, so should we change the name of that city? Well, the answer they would give you is yes. So I, I was kind of chuckling to myself, like definitely going to retain that fact. The next day, the next day, I'm woke surfing again on SF gate. I see this headline, Berkeley name in question due to name stakes. (laughs) Slave owner passed. They beat me to the punchline. Ah. Ah, uh, clown world. It's like they're and so I was thinking about this. I was they're telling, sitting around with no job. They're I, obviously gonna <laughs> find this stuff out. I was telling my buddy as we were talking about clown world, is like I just we're at the point you can't make jokes anymore. It's like reality fini- reality yeah. beats me to the punchline when I, I come up with like something funny. And then I found this. And this is we're gonna have to go back a couple episodes you're gonna have to think about. So I think you're gonna pick it up. So this is this is that day that I'm like, I just I can't. I can't take it anymore. I just, I, you know, it was, it was, it was the Trump town hall. I was like, I just need to check out something else. So I go to Joe Rogan. This is episode 1979. This is from last week. And he had a doctor on there named Dr. Asim Malhotra, who was originally on there. He came out against the statin industry, blah, 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 blah. But they got into like some COVID stuff. And I found this clip because we're talking about like, we make absurd jokes in clown world. And then when the punchline becomes a reality, you're like, I just, I'm, I'm running out of ideas quick. So here's him talking about the COVID vaccine. And that's probably the mechanism of action. And in fact, this is not, you know, um, interestingly, you know, one of the side effects from a World Health Organization endorsed list, which I reference in my peer-reviewed paper, which we'll talk about later, actually puts in there psychosis <laughs> as one of the side effects of the vaccine. And there are case reports and people who went psychotic, actually, because of it. So A significant number? Um, well, it, does that sound familiar? No. Booster rage? Ah! <laughs> Booster rage. Uh, I'm not saying I, <laughs> not saying I doubted you, okay. but <laughs> it just didn't come right to, right to mind. Yes, of course. Of course. Ah, dude. If double anus flat tax theory comes to fruition, I'm going full Ted K. <laughs> oh I am God. going to the mountains. I'm done. I'm out. Dude, we got to figure out a way to capitalize on that. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to that while I was working. I was like, what was that? And I rewound it. I was like, oh, my God. I was working with my buddy. And like, Fucking remember that whole thing about booster rage I went on? Like, WHO just said it's a, it's a symptom of the vaccine. Some people are becoming psychotic. What if... You and I were actually just living in a... Actually, what if you <laughs> were just living in a simulation? The, like some demented sequel of uh, The Truman Show? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I, and everything you say here, like the writer's like, ooh, that's good. Let's use that. That's we're we're going to go back. We're going to write that into something that happened. Get that in an article. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
I mean, I could tell you that you're not, that I'm not part of that, but I can't, how could you believe me? Right. I mean, if I, that's exactly what I would that's, say. That's how psyops work, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I'm not even going to bother. Well, I'm definitely not sleeping tonight. <laughs> you, ironically, you probably sleep like a baby. You're like, I knew it. <laughs> Fucking knew it. Um, Man, we're having too much fun. I almost don't want to uh, bring us down with uh, some reality. Yeah. Here, but I've, uh, I have, uh, I'm about ready to plunge into the dour hour myself here. Yeah, let's fucking do it. Good morning. Time to get up and go to work. Um, Ireland recently. Well, let's see. I should do this one first. Is this the? Hate speech law? Yeah. I'm not going there first. Saw this. Okay. First, I want to tell you that back in, when was this? Uh, 2018, mm-hmm. Ireland voted to oust a medieval blasphemy law. So they got rid of a blasphemy law, got it off the books. Okay. Yeah, it was outdated. Right. You're no longer, you, but but before it was, Those I mean, technically from medieval you were, times are you were not allowed to say anything that went against God. Okay, right? You couldn't blaspheme God. You right. couldn't. Um, it, basically, they had a hate speech law. <laughs> yeah, but it was hatred of God. Okay, okay. So finally, they modernized and got rid of that. Okay, only to replace it to with replace it with <laughs> a new hate speech law that makes it a crime to say anything bad about uh, someone that's considered a a protected group, basically. (sighs) Um, That's funny. I've actually been looking. I have have a pretty decent working theory that I can't entirely call, call my own, but I think explains so much of the clown world that we're seeing around us. Including what you're talking about with the hate speech law, it's what's coming here. Get right. ready. Oh yeah. So the Department of Justice in Ireland, in an October summary of the bill, said many consider the 1989 law, which was the law that they previously had. It was a hate speech law, but it was right. Apparently, just kind of like a a token kind of yeah. Thing. That the to consider the 1989 law to be ineffective, with only about 50 prosecutions for violations in the past 30 years. It's, which is way too few. I mean, we need to start cracking some heads over this shit, right? Obviously, the problem, there's a problem with the law if we only have 50 prosecutions, right? So let's ramp this shit up. It said updates to the bill protect genuine freedom of expression. If you can square that. Sort of yeah, um, some pretty Orwellian language right and there. Also, hate speech is designed to shut people down, to shut them up, to make them a friend. Listen to this. Hate speech. Yeah, not, not a law against hate speech. Right. Hate speech is designed to shut people down, to shut them up, to make them afraid to say who they are and to exclude and isolate them. There's nothing free about that and there's frankly no place for it in our society. Someone proposing a hate speech law uh inserting in there there's nothing free about that. The the cognitive dissonance I I experience when hearing, hearing that phrase, that that statement right there. Is very palpable. Now, here's the interesting thing, though, is that to go back to something that you mentioned earlier, is they're talking about it for just protected groups, right? Yes. 
Yeah, no, you okay. can say whatever number you want to white people. Number one, who defines what a protected group is? How do we how do we quantify that as a metric? What's a what's a protected group? So take it away from protected group. What's not who's not a protected group? People that are not a minority. Okay. So I guess it, according to what metric? Well, exactly, because you could say women are a protected group. Yeah. But they, you know, on any given day, they could be a majority. Yeah. What about if one, if one more female baby is born? Yeah. And there, now there's more women than men. Right. Then they're not a minority anymore. Uh, I'm. You know, but they the work around with that is that say, well, they're not represented. What I'm always interested in with these discussions is where does it stop? Like, and who's deciding where it stops? It stops where they say I, I'm. A, I'm a lefties, statists say it's going to stop. I'm a child of divorce, as are you. It's like, mm-hmm. am I a protect? I don't like. I don't consider myself a protected group. Like, where, where, where do we stop? I have ADHD. Like mm-hmm. that. Where mm-hmm. is it? I, See, I you, think, it, I, which I think is a benefit. Are in you life. crippled? No. You could be. <laughs> are you threatening me right now? No, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Uh, are you gay? <laughs> you could be. <laughs> that wasn't a threat. No, nope, that's the opposite of a threat, my friend. <laughs> you gay? You're gonna be. <laughs> you wanna be? <laughs> quick. <laughs> now we got something to work with. Is, <laughs> is I'm always. It's just. It's. It's like when we were having the reparations discussion. I'm like, what? Who? Who's deciding? Like, what? How do we do this? You know yeah. what I mean? That they are proposing in California that Gavin Newsom more or less struck down because he's running for president. He knows the rest of the country won't go for that. But when you have these, it's it's cultural Marxism. That's what this is. It's destroying the notion of objective truth. It's making everything subjective. And yeah. the people that are proposing these things, like, well, what's hate speech? We'll let you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you said this two weeks ago. That's hate speech. Well, it wasn't hate speech then. He's like, it is now. Like, <laughs> sorry, you've been canceled. I always wonder, like, how you can't quantify these things. It's, yeah, well, it's if completely you're completely based in irrationality, if you're Stalin and you need a reason to lock someone up, you mm-hmm. just make up the reason. Right. You need a reason. Yeah. You can't just say lock him up because then the gig will be up. Yeah. But if you can just come up with a reason, then you're good. And the further and further this goes down the road, the less and less reasonable that reason has to be. <laughs> less A less reasonable reason. Mm-hmm. Like, what an oxymoron, right? Like, re- there is no reason anymore. Like, the reason gets whittled and whittled away as you as yeah. you go down this road. Not to mention that... We're gone a long ways down this road. Right We're getting no. close to, like, fucking danger zone. And the problem that... Uh, great song, by the way. Uh, I hear it every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not hear it again. Better than kids' it, music is um, what always stands. Someone that stands on the outside um, you know, when we see all these cultural issues. When someone's talking about you know Dylan Mulvaney on a Bud Light can, I'm like, I, I don't care. I really, I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter to me. And but when you watch it from the outside and you see the basically the ideological flaws like in these arguments, and what's I always notice in this. And you're talking about like hate speech laws and the notion of a protected class. And it's always people in a position of power making the decision like these are the protected classes and they need my help. And I'm like, have you, are you familiar at all with the term the bigotry of low expectations? Mm-hmm. It's, it's some of the most racist shit. 
you yeah. know, if we're talking about like protected classes in terms of race, for example, yeah, or you know, whatever gender or whatever the hate speech law is going to be applied to, it's that always stands out to me as someone that watches this stuff from the outside. Of course, and I think that as you're trying to you know convince my mom that this shit is happening, yeah, a, an argument like that actually it kind of works because you know you and I know that you can't apply a rational. Uh, no parameters to an irrational way of thinking. Statists. Yeah. But when you're actually having this conversation with someone, like, you can easily say, like, look, this is totally irrational. You know, all of these ideas of, you know, what is hate speech, who is a victim, who is not, who's a protected class, like, it doesn't actually have a rational basis. There's no... Yeah. Right. And I, I, I kind of think if there's, you know any sort of common sense left in this person at all, you can get through and say, like, do you see what we're saying? Yeah. Here, this is completely irrational. Um, and I don't even know what the... I didn't put too much thought into what the argument uh, for the irrationality of these protected groups would be. I'm sure there is one. I'm sure they've come up with an idea. Well, it's rational that... Uh, people with ADHD aren't included in this group because yeah. X, Y, Z, but I didn't really. It's, it's, I always feel like the times when I've had this conversation with, um, the people that might be in favor for things like this, which are exclusively on the left, but the friends I have who, you know, are willing to have like a intellectually honest conversation. Um, I can think of a couple of friends off the top of my head. I enjoy like really talking about this, these yeah. things is <clears throat> the mechanism by which the, policy that they're proposing will be employed is where the argument always seems to fall apart. So whether it's uh, reparations or what we're talking about, hate speech laws, explain to me, walk me through the nuts and bolts of this, right? Um, I want to know who decides what hate speech is. I I want to see the delineation between protected class versus not protected class. How is that decided? Who decides it? What's it based on, right? I want to see. I, I want. I want to hear from you what the actual categories are, and then from there, I want to say, it's "Like, okay, now what do we consider hate speech? Like, can I say this? And I can't say this. I can say this, but I can't say that. That person can say this. Is like, you know, walk me through the actual step by step, like because and, or I, today you can say it because my bias is a year from now you can no longer say it exactly, and, and now you're going to be in trouble for something you said a year ago, right? Because now that's yeah, illegal. is this is this retroactive? Literally illegal, right? Because it's a hate speech yeah. law, right? Like as at the point of a gun, you could be put in a cage, yeah. And I'm always interested in hearing that because my bias is when I hear about these things, or when I hear. Joe Biden say, we're going to forgive all college student loans. It's like, no, you're not. Like, everyone knows you're not. You're not going to do that. You're just saying things. And so, and you're a fucking professional liar. Like, I don't, I don't care what you say. I don't care what Trump says. I don't care what Biden says. I don't care what Obama says. I don't care what any of these people say. It's the people that buy this shit. Do you care what, what Kamala says? Very, very much so, because that means I have to do less research for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Mama. Keep them coming. <laughs> what is this woman smoking? <laughs> is it's the people that I know that buy into this? It's just insane. It, like it's I like I I'm so I'm almost infatuated with the psychology. Like walk me through your thought process of how you get to think that 
this is going to work on some pragmatic level in society. Honestly, if there's anyone out there listening right now that wants to come on and, and explain that to us, like total seriousness, I'd love to hear it too. I would too. Yeah. I'd be really love interested to hear in having that conversation. Yeah. So propaganda. I couldn't really think of any uh, way that propaganda was happening in our uh, society. <sighs> so we'll skip that one. Okay. <laughs> Actually, in the note that I wrote down here was just, just turn on the news. <laughs> um, it does seem kind of obvious that propaganda is happening. I mean, journalists don't do journalism yeah. anymore. One of their, in fact, all of the the pushback on Trump's lies, air quotes, from the CNN town hall right. was these, again, air quotes, news outlets, these air quotes, journalists, talking about how um, everything he said was obviously a lie, and we know that because the FBI said so. You know, or, or the NI, or, you know, these government organizations, or the White House said so. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, that's the level of journalism that we have going on right now? You're just taking the government talking point, assuming that's the truth, and we're going to run with it. I mean, you're not even making it hard for them to to propagandize. They don't even have to break the law to propagandize us. All the FBI has to do is say, these are the facts. Like in an official statement, these are the facts. And every news outlet, including Fox News, is going to just take that as God's honest truth. Are you, are you, from, so not only is that a working theory, there's actually legislation in, in place right now that legalizes propaganda in the U.S. And have you followed the Twitter files at all? Uh, I think the two people hitting this the most is Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger. Mm -hmm. Is it uncovered the communication going on between FBI, CIA, the DHS, and big tech, you know, uh, with everything, with basic, basically it, it it mapped out a working collusion, a working relationship between all the alphabet agencies and, you know, Twitter and Facebook and Google. For anything, pick any topic. There's stuff about January 6th in there. There's stuff about the Hunter Biden laptop, about uh, vaccine hesitancy, about COVID misinformation. There is, and when we talk about the deep state, Mm -hmm. That's what the deep state is. Yeah, it's the so you know, these people that are not elected, they never go away. Their term is never up, and they are have an active working relationship. And overall, the cathedral, which is everyone, you know what I mean, working to get together in concert for one specific narrative. This is so easily provable because when you look at almost all mainstream media, it's always <clears throat> they're always in lockstep with the same narrative. There might be a little nuance, little difference here and there. But, I mean, for the most part, all mainstream media is like, here's your marching orders, go to it. Right. It's, I don't know, for people that don't understand that, it, it's, so it, it's hard to have the conversation because you have to at least have an awareness that that is going on before you talk about any subject. So that, uh, the Smith Mon Modernization Act, uh, I think is what you're referring to. Mm -hmm. And in uh, 2020, 11 or 2012, whenever 2012. This, 2012 when this was yeah. when this was passed um, or 2013 I think 2012 um, it was uh, no it's 2013 dude it was written it was <laughs> put into it easy easy <laughs> you're not on prednisone anymore you don't got an excuse shit is 2013 is is when it took effect 
I have three beers open right now. I think all of them are not drunk completely yet. Yeah, that was put in, that was signed by, by Obama. It was actually a pre-existing law. And then <clears throat> when Obama signed it, what it is, do you actually have it up here on my screen? I'm not going to read the entire bill. You're welcome. But the uh, Amends the United States Information and Educational Exchange Act of 1948, that's when the original bill was written, to authorize the Secretary, Secretary of State and the Broadcasting Board of Governors to provide for the preparation and dissemination of information intended for foreign audiences aboard abroad from the United States. The short of this is, if you want to read the bill, it legalizes propaganda in the United States. What it was originally written for was propaganda efforts that was used to disseminate information to other countries. And what this did is it turned it back in and said, like, now we can do that in the U.S. Now, one... I would would, uh, push back a little bit on that and say that... um, it did not legalize. It didn't because it didn't wholesale legalize propaganda yep. to American citizens. And the reason I know that is because when I heard that it had, that sounds like the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know, like, what senators <coughs> and House of Representatives members, yeah, you know, who are these people that signed off on something like that? Is there any more blatant, like? mistreatment of American citizens than legalizing the government propaganda mm-hmm. against them. And so it's not exactly that. Okay. I'm not saying, and it, so for those listening, if, if you watch the news and you hear things, then you do your own homework. You know how difficult it is to actually find the truth. It's on almost kind of impossible. Stuff, right. Because everything is so convoluted. Um, and so what I found, one of the best techniques to figure out the truth on something like this is mm-hmm. to look at what the other side is saying about it. Woke surfing. Okay. Yeah. Do some woke surfing. And <clears throat> I did look, I did read the fact check against this. Yeah. So the fact check is, you know, technically. <laughs> is technically, as all fact checks tend to be, technically accurate. That this, and that's what I kind of said earlier, is that this doesn't actually make it legal to propagandize against. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd find that the you know if you go to like Snopes, which is an extremely biased fact check, right. fact checked is their trick is they fact checked the question that wasn't asked, which is a very tricky. So technically, mm-hmm. what they're saying is like this isn't true. I'm all, that's not what technically was being fact checked. Here's a good trick. Okay. If you want to try to find. Scouring through, like the, the, you're on the sixth page of DuckDuckGo, trying to find the article that really gives you the facts. Find out what they were saying about Trump mm-hmm. in relation to the topic that yeah. you're looking for, right? And you will then, because all of the the media has a left wing bias to it, just like every organization we've yep. talked about this a million times. And if they say it about Trump then you know they're being honest. They're doing. They're probably digging as deep as they can. They're using all of their resources to actually find out what this right. uh, bill that Obama signed into law actually means. I'm going to read you one paragraph. This is from the Brennan Center. And it was kind of like, it was kind of fact-checking it, but it was also saying like, look, this is actually kind of dangerous because Hitler, I mean, Trump is in power right now. So he might be able to <laughs> use this to propagandize. Beijing Dr. Freud, Beijing Dr. Freud. <laughs> And so uh, what they say in this uh, this paragraph I hear 
right here, I think, just perfectly nails it. The 2013 amendment also enables the administration to covertly spread the media agency's materials within the United States. And the media agency's materials means stuff that was already generated for, you know, ideally, or its intention was to be developed for other countries, Somalia, Cuba, and wherever. Uh, It specifically mentions Cuba in the act, the Cuba Radio Broadcasting Act or something like that. Yeah, because the United States has these uh, media organizations that make a ton of media for foreign countries. We were never allowed to see that media, which is not good. We should be allowed to see it. And the whole idea behind this act, the Modernization Act, is that Americans should be allowed to see what their tax dollars are going to fund in this uh, propaganda of other countries around mm-hmm. the world. And who could disagree with that? Right. However, private entities, reading now again from the article, private entities such as news stations can subscribe to the agency's materials and then rebroadcast the content in the U.S. All right, so you're not allowed to have this, but if you ask for it by request or you are already a private entity like a news station, you can subscribe to this material and then rebroadcast it within the United States. Mm -hmm. The main restrictions are that government-produced programming can't be used to, quote, develop audiences within the U.S., which remains undefined. So develop audiences, there's no definition of that. Right. It just says that in the act. So you're not allowed to do that. You can't... It's something that can't be quantified. Yeah, exactly. But whatever it is, you're not allowed to do it. Um, and that the programming must not be covert. That is, it must be attributed to its governmental source, unless the agency has been given authorization from Congress. <laughs> Violations of this covert propaganda restriction are difficult to prove and unlikely to spur meaningful repercussions. So the loopholes are big enough to drive a truck through right. on this. And why make something that was illegal legal again? Mm-hmm. Unless... All you're saying is that... Because they intend to use it. Yeah. And it's not like Congress really cares about people having the right to uh, see what's being produced and given to... No, that that idea... That's ridiculous. That idea is abhorrent to them. Yes. Yes. Exactly. They don't want that out there. One of the most... um, And I think this... I think all this stuff kind of dovetails together, but when I was reading... What's the larger point that we're talking about here? What are we talking about? Government having a role in media distribution. Yeah. Right? Well, we're, we're talking about, yeah, the indoctrination. And of to go back to the Twitter the files. Yeah, propagandization prop- of America. Right. And the Twitter files very much showed evidence of that. Now, you could choose to believe that those are real or not, or I don't know, what, what what's this week's Russian dis- disinformation? <laughs> it could be. Like, who knows? That but there's a very... Week, dude. Uh, yeah, okay. I, what's this week? Do you know? Any chance? So yeah, Bud Light's old news. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's like Friday. Well, it's the weekend. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that's why we can't think of it. So <clears throat> one of the most diabolical kind of components of the Patriot Act, you know, the Patriot Act, we, we hit on this a lot, but the reason why I always bring it up is it's such a perfect example of how these power structures work, power structures work and how corrupt they are. And it also shows the collusion between government, you know, all the alphabet agencies and the kind of existence of the deep state. I mean, I know, realize just saying that word that people go like, Okay, Alex Jones, like you lost me. I was like, no, it's it's a real thing. Is they there's a real st- subtle detail in the Patriot Act that we all passed with no resistance, or I wasn't necessarily passed. We it was, all, yeah, 
we all like in the government, but it was passed and implemented and it has not only gone away, but has been exacerbated since then and which turned the U.S. into a basically a surveillance state and gave central power more power. Yeah. So you could say is one like just diabolical component in there. It was a very small detail at the time that. I guess no one really talked about, but now that we kind of can look back on it with some hindsight is it referred to, cause what we were doing is taking stuff that we did in other countries or like the Smith modernization act, much like the Patriot act. It took things that we're doing in other countries and brought them to the U S and why the way that they did that is it referred to the homeland, the U S as the battlefield. So stuff like warrantless wiretapping, um, warrantless arrest, uh, the, the sidestepping things like due process, um, unlawful detainment. Did the it's, did the one hundred mile uh, border uh, thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where uh, there, there's different laws if you're one hundred miles from a U.S. border. I don't know this. Um, oh God, what is this? Where's our producer when we need him? Yeah. So apparently, if you're within a hundred miles of the U.S. Uh, Mexico or, or the coast mm-hmm. um, or Canada border, there are laws in effect where a lot of your rights are just completely defunct. Like you don't have them anymore. Really? Yes. I've never heard of this. Uh, okay. So the Patriot Act is much similar to the Smith Modernization Act, right? In that it takes things that we were, were primarily reserved for other countries and now we're bringing them back to the US and basically weaponizing them against our own people. And if this sounds far-fetched to you, there are many, many American citizens that took an unplanned vacation to Guantanamo Bay. They would probably (laughs) love to have a conversation with you, if they're still alive, that is. Um, So I have some some questions for you that I want you to answer. Is there is this graph, before I ask these questions, is... There's a chart that has been floating around that uh, mentions in mainstream media, it basically was an algorithm that showed the mentions of things like white supremacy, white privilege, unconscious bias, racism, you know, all the buzzwords. And it parsed them all out from all mainstream media. And beginning in 2012, the use of those terms just fucking skyrockets. I mean, and it's been... Since then, just keeps going up, 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 up. Yeah, I've seen this. I'm sure. Have you seen the chart? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're all hockey sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And this came like right around the time, you know, just after the implementation of the or Obama in I don't know what, what do you call it redoing the Smith Mon- Modernization Act, right? Yeah. Modernizing the Smith right. Uh, so knowing that that has happened, so let's think back to 2012, right? So we're to put all these questions in the context of the last 10 years, okay? Has the division over cultural issues become greater or more diminished? Say it again. Has the division over cultural issues become greater or more oh, yeah. diminished? Yeah, greater. Have race relations become better or worse? Uh, r- race relations were doing really, really well. And since then have gotten much, much worse. Right. Have gender issues become more or less, more or less hyperbolic and inflamed? 
Yeah, more. Has the rhetoric over social issues become nastier or more calm and reasoned? Yeah, obviously nastier. In your opinion, does it appear that mainstream media is attempting to stoke the flames of conflict or convey more rational discussions between opposing ideas? They're stoking the flames like never before. Do we see all this play out in social media to a large or small extent? Everything I mentioned. Uh, I think that's the main place that we see it. Yes. And so I was thinking of these things. And I wrote those questions down. And this is why when I talk to people about things like Dylan Mulvaney on a beer can, Drake Queen story hour, claiming there are 57 genders, writing you know headlines that having a lawn is a form of white supremacy, that I just check out. I was like, I'm just, and I always have been, 2012 and up to today. I'm just, I just, it's just nonsense. It's just, it just, to me, it always struck me as so obviously coordinated and in your face and blatant. It's just, I'm so, I'm hard pressed to think that there's not some kind of coordination going on here, right? Like how, how much, What's 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 percentage of the population is trans? What is it like 0.7%? I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's I, not that high. Yeah, I don't even know how you'd figure it out. Like, and how much how much discussion in mainstream media is given to that topic? It's just everywhere. It's just ever present. Ninety nine point seven percent. Yes, I tell you, I was like, it, it just makes no sense that this many resources. You know, like I like I don't know why are we, why are we having this discussion? This makes no. There's no trans genocide. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Totally. And I've always, it has always struck me in 2012 and up to now, 2023, that it's fucking bait. And the right and the left fall yeah. for it every time. Yeah. You guys take it every time. And I started thinking when you put this in the context of the Smith Munt Modernization Act. Smith Munt Modernization Act. Yeah. Yes. Is if I think this is all being done intentionally, it's all deep state originate or you know comes from deep state is if you are falling into this if you are taking that bait you're basically an unpaid employee of the deep state mm. if you are on social media screaming about these things and yeah you know dare if, i if say you are that drag idiot. queen doing story hour whatever like yeah. trying to you're it's so you're being you're trying to provoke a reaction you're trying to create conflict uh-huh. you get hung up in these meaningless cultural issues like you know if you're on the right screaming about Dylan Mulvaney being on a beer can or whatever it is, or now like random people are wearing like Bud Light shirts, like, yeah, I'm like totally for it. I'm like, you're a deep state asset. Do you realize that? Yeah. Like This is being done intentionally. It's being done intentionally to divide people. Mm-hmm. The question becomes... Yeah, both sides of the issue, by the right. way. So, why? Why would we... Why? Why would there be such a large coordinated push to create this division. And this is, I listened to Clint Russell on Liberty Lockdown, and I think his idea goes back, I think he kind of took it from, he did. He went a, a deeper dive and did a really good job on it. But do you remember one of Dave Smith's first appearances on Joe Rogan? This must have been last year, maybe something like that. He's been on it like 12 He's been like, Yeah, he's been on a bunch, but it was like, after he signed the Spotify deal, it was his first appearance, and like, because I know he, I remember thinking he kind of went on there in a little bit of a salesperson mode. I don't mean that as a pejorative, but 
he's there to promote a, a specific brand of libertarianism, mm-hmm. uh, most specifically the Mises Caucus. Mm-hmm. You know what the Mises Caucus is? Just think Ron Paul, pretty much. And he did such a, jo- a good job of explaining this cancel culture that we were talking about earlier and, and the woke war and everything. And he was saying <clears throat> that in 2008, the economy crashes. And the term conspiracy theorist goes out the window when you've lost your house, your job, and your savings. And people were fucking angry, like really fucking angry, like in the streets, like ready to fucking cut someone's head off angry, Occupy Wall Street. And the most terrifying prospect to the political and the the elites, the banks, is to add to their anger is like, I just lost my house. I just lost my retirement savings. And then a couple weeks later, the people responsible for me essentially losing everything that I worked for in my life were just giving, what was it, $700 billion? Yeah. For which they gave themselves bonuses. Yeah. And people were like, this is it. And the most terrifying thing to those political and like banking elites is us. Was exactly, was to look down on the street and see Antifa and the Tea Party, right and left. There was no right and left anymore. It was like, these people need, we need their fucking head on a stick. Right. And the bankers and the political elites probably having some, you know, some rough idea of how history plays out, you know, look down. Uh, I saw a TED Talk a little bit after that, actually right around that time of a guy who was allegedly a billionaire, and he was telling his fellow billionaires, like, Hey, the pitchforks and torches are coming. That's we need to turn this shit around. Exactly. And his his, his TED talk, which was received like, oh yeah, like he, he what he's saying is that we need to be better citizens. No, what he's <laughs> saying is that we need to get our shit together yeah. and stop this Occupy Wall Street movement and the ninety nine percent from coming for our heads. Right. Because what they're doing is looking at this mob of both made up of the right and left. Mm-hmm. You're like. <clears throat> oh, shit, they're not buying into the illusion all of a sudden. They're not buying, you know, I think they're realizing that the, the two-party system is an illusion. There, there are no two parties. There's yeah. us and there's the plebes. And last time, you know, typically when this happens in history, if you want to brush up on, I don't know, the French Revolution, I was like, it's going to be bad for us. Not bad like we won't get elected again and we're going to lose our jobs. Bad like they drag us out of our house and fucking burn me alive and make my wife fucking eat my burnt flesh before they violate her in the most horrific ways ever. Read up on the French Revolution. It's uh, not light reading. Was forced cannibalism part of that? I don't remember. It was, reading. actually. Really? Yes. Jesus. Yeah, they would burn, they would take the political leap, burn him alive, and make his wife eat him, and then they kill her, too. It was a kind of a common practice during the French Revolution. Did they say, eat your husband or we're going to kill you? Well, they killed her anyway. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> she should have just said no. <laughs> uh, one would God, surmise people that people, so stupid. people would, weren't being entirely rational <laughs> at that time. Just stop for a second and think. So when you saw, when we saw the implementation of the Smith Modernization Act or the changes made to it, which you know essentially gave government a larger role in propaganda within the U.S., and then all of mainstream media... You know, we have this quantified as a metric because, you know, they're all talking about the same things, the colonialism and white supremacy and unconscious bias and the whole thing. They're all talking about the same things. I'm hard pressed to think that that's a coincidence. Well, I don't really I don't 
think that the passage of the Smith Run Modernization Act was some sort no, of... No, that wasn't the breaking point. Breaking right. I mean, we could go back to Project Mockingbird. No, they were doing the... I bring it up as the point that media and government are, at, at bare minimum, colluding partners. I would even argue they're essentially the same thing. Yeah. And if, if you look at the Twitter files, that shows us this. It's like, here's yes. this... Um, this Alex Berenson on Look Twitter, Try you to need to get rid of him. Find like, Exactly. Get, get him off say, Twitter. Find a journalist who's not towing the government company line yeah. and see what their career has been like. This is why Matt, demonized. Matt Taibbi comes up with the Twitter files, starts releasing them, leaking them onto Twitter. Yeah. You know, the FBI went to his house the next day. No, it was IRS. It was IRS. Okay, yeah. Sorry, IRS. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, look at- Total uh, coincidence. Ed Snowden. Right. Totally demonized. Yep. Julian Assange. Julian Assange, even worse. Yep. Yeah. You remember that article that I brought up about the FBI's new glossary of yes. terms? Yes. Who were the two groups? It was a uh, racially and ethnically motivated violent extremists, yeah. REMVEs, MMEs, and incels. Yeah. Like, what? These guys? There's like seven guys <laughs> on the internet, and like, they're the scapegoats? It's... You know, yeah. but that's what they do. They need to have a boogeyman. They need to have a bad guy that they can. It's it's bash this. it's part of a larger narrative, and I think everything right. we talked about, it's all being done for the same narrative push. Because this is like when we see Joe Biden come out on a stage that apparently was borrowed from a fucking Nazi rally, you know, complete with the dark yeah. red lighting and ominous looking military figures standing beside him, saying, "I think that was the, a budget decision, though." Was <laughs> well, we could get a new stage, new setup, uh, sir, but we already have this Nazi one hanging around. So, I mean, if, just in terms. of... You know we're all about saving money. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Far be it from us to waste money here. We don't want to go outside the budget. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when he comes out and says the biggest threat to America is domestic extremism. Yeah. And for those of us, for I don't know, 20%, I don't know, for those that don't buy into it, people go like, oh, I guess that's, the, that's what the biggest threat is and just carry the narrative. Exactly. But for those of us who were born blessed slash cursed i don't still don't know with the whatever he's saying it's fucking lying because he's a politician and he's has an and he has an agenda or the we ability. go like oh crap that's not good to hear like things are about to get ugly or the ancient art of being able to look at statistics well there's that too and make up your own mind <laughs> can tell that that's obviously bullshit i'm not gonna sit here and argue with you using facts <sighs> That is a symbol of the white patriarchy. You fucking Marxist. And so when it comes time to vote, vote for, and I, and I, cause I believe that voting is the, the way that we deal with this right now. Yes. I understand that our elections are not perfect. Um, maybe they're rigged. Uh, maybe the bad guys just outwork the good guys too. And maybe the good guys actually make the bad guys job easier by not showing up to the polls. I mean, if nobody showed up to the polls, they wouldn't have to cheat. Right. So the more people that show up to vote, the better. So anyways, when you do show up to vote, um, vote for the right people. And I, Matt, you and I, I brought up a, um, a clip the other day and I was kind of joking, but I was saying how bad it would be for RFK to win the Democratic nomination because yeah. we wouldn't have Biden and Kamala to make fun of right. anymore, right? 
And your response was along the lines of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I hear you. He's saying all the right things, but he's just going to end up being the same yeah. guy that they all are. Right. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I think you're you're probably right yeah. about that. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, but a lot of people like Dave Smith and and everyone is saying like, kind of like, oh, this is great that that the guy is. I have heard that is running. Yeah, and I I don't disagree. I agree. Like because if the message is, if the guy that wins the nomination, his message is anti-war instead of Ukraine has to win, right? And his message is anti-big business instead of we need to. Um, do things to support the the U.S. dollar. We can't, you know, yeah. instead of like, no, we need to reform the system. I'm going to be an unpaid um, pharmaceutical pharmaceutical company <laughs> advertiser representative, yeah, representative, exactly. right? Then that's better. Yeah. Okay, but your point was well taken, and I came across this quote um, where RFK met with Ron DeSantis, and. The two of them sat down and talked, and here's the quote. We talked about, and this is uh, Kennedy, the RFK talking. We talked about him possibly running for the presidency, presidency, and I said, how will you handle the NIH, the National Institute of Health? And DeSantis said, I'll burn it to the ground. Oh, wow. And RFK's response was, you know, I understand the impulse, but I think I can have a more surgical impact on these agencies. So, after all of the books that RFK wrote about the the vaccine and all of the bullshit that he has called them out on, mm-hmm. he still his thinking is still well. It's it's still good. I just need to put the right people in charge. I just need right. to. And Ron DeSantis's response is no. I'll burn it to the fucking ground. That's what we need to be thinking. Okay, I'm not saying vote for Ron DeSantis, but that is the way to think about this. <clears throat> burn. The system to the fucking ground. There is no salvaging it.